I thought that'd be a nice little way to kind of start off the sermon for tonight. Uh, we are talking about Zacchaeus uh, in our sermon tonight. Um, and and it's a pretty simple little story. And uh, we we definitely use it a lot of times in children's church and um, with children. And uh, the basically the little drama that was just played out simply... That's the way kids interpret it a lot of times. And, uh, I, of course, I felt like that man talking to some of our kids that we deal with on a day, day-to-day base. You'd be talking to them about something, and here out of left field, they're talking about something else. But uh, it is good to go back and get down to the basics of uh, what the Bible is trying to teach us, and that's kind of what we're doing tonight. We're going to take this little story that is told in the Bible and really look at the principles that are being taught in this uh, set of scriptures. So if you want to turn in your, to your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 10. Uh, as you are turning there, um, just to give a little bit of explanation of what we're going to be looking at tonight is, like I said, we're going to take this little simple story, break it down to what is being shown We're going to look at it through the scriptures, and then at the very end of it, we're going to look at it in our lives, what what we should be getting out of it to understand what God is wanting us to do as believers. So over in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there near, uh, by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed in a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus re- reached the spot, he looked up, and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw and began to mutter. He was gone, uh, going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have che- uh, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because of this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save what is lost. Dear and Father, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for everything that you have done up to this point and what you're going to do throughout the remainder of this service. I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak your word and anoint these ears to hear that your will will be done in our lives. We thank you and praise you. Amen. As we look, start looking into this, The first part that we're going to look at is a little bit about his experience in divine confirmation or confrontation. So you've got to understand who Zacchaeus was. As in the scripture, he told us he was a tax collector. 
He was a tax collector for the Roman government. The Jews didn't like them because they, the Roman government had a certain amount that everybody was to be taxed, and then the tax collectors always upped that so they could fill their pockets. And so I kind of look at Zacchaeus as being, a lot of times when you look at people that take advantage of people, they're kind of the big bullies of the school, kind of bulky sports jockeys. And they bully little weaklings for their milk money. But to me, when I think of Zacchaeus, I think of him as this, of course, we know he was a short man, but I, I look at him as a short, kind of wimpy, with glasses, a pocket protector, with his calculator, studying math, because we know he was a tax collector. So he studied a lot of math. And so he was bullied by a lot of those jocks in high school. And so when he grew up, he became the tax collector, and he remembered all of those guys that used to bully him in school. And he really stuck it to those people. You know, your neighbor, I only taxed them 10%, but you're going to pay me 20% of your belongings. And at that time, there was nothing to say they couldn't. So no one ever liked a tax collector because it was taking their money, taking their stuff. So he was a very hated man. No one liked him. So let's look at his description. That's over in verse 2. We talked about it. And we just kind of explained it a little bit about that he was a tax collector. No one liked him. But also in verse 3, his desires. The Bible is clear when it says that Zacchaeus was a rich, rich man. He had grown that grown that way on the backs of his fellow Jews. We, we kind of talked about it. So we're getting to know who Zacchaeus was. He was very wealthy. He had probably had a two-story house, three-story house, bunch of cars out in the driveway. This is the modern technology of it, theology. But anyway, if he was alive today, that would probably be him, having a huge house, bunch of cars, Bass boat in the driveway, camper out back, the whole nine yards. Rich. But yet, he was hated by everybody in the community. So let's look in verse 4, his decision. Because he was a small man, he was unable to see the road, for the crowds of the, have gathered to see Jesus passed by. So right off, he knew that this man named Jesus was going to be walking this certain road. And I believe he had heard the stories of people being healed. And he has heard the stories of God raising the dead, the miracles, the feedings of the 5,000. I'm sure he has heard of who Jesus is. He just did not know who Jesus was. So he was starting to get very interested. Jesus is coming this way. I don't know who this guy is, but it sounds like my job could be threatened in a way. Because at that time, he was one of the most powerful men. But yet, for somebody to be 
healing the sick, that was unheard of during those times. So he started getting curious. So in verse 4, let's look at it in verse 4. He started getting a little bit of curious of who he was. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree. So because of his wondering who this Jesus is, made him step out of his comfort zone because he was always the powerful one. He didn't ever have to look for anybody. He, he wasn't scared of anybody. He wasn't even concerned because he had the money. But yet, something caught his attention. Because there was something about that name because he heard so much commotion about it. So he had to, he had to, he had to know who this Jesus was. So he climbed up in that sycamore tree and then when Jesus came by he had an experience with a divine call. As Jesus passed the place where Zacchaeus was up in that tree Jesus stopped and began to speak to Zacchaeus. He issued a call to this little man the call would result in an eternal change of life for this tax collector. So he began to, he, I mean, he didn't know that Jesus knew who he was. Because he only heard things about Jesus. He, he's like, now I know I'm, I, I, I've got a lot of pull in this community because I'm the tax collector, but Come on, this man that's doing all these miracles knows me, knows my name? What's really going on here? But it was a personal call because Jesus spoke directly to Zacchaeus. He called him by name. Now, a lot of people don't realize, but Zacchaeus means pure. A lot of people would have not ever guessed, especially in this time. They would have never thought of Zacchaeus and think of something that's pure. Because he cheated and he lied and he done all these things. To me, that's not pure. But his name meant pure. But Jesus saw past what he was. The things that he's done. And Jesus called him by his true name. Not Zacchaeus, but pure. And he said, come down out of that sycamore tree. It was a plain call. So it was a personal call because he called him by name. But then it was a plain call because he told him exactly what Jesus wanted him to do. Make haste. And come down. The Lord told Zacchaeus exactly what he was supposed to do. There was no debating. There would be no need for second guessing. It was just as clear as it possibly be. There's a lot of times in our lives that Jesus is speaking clearly to us. But yet we're so caught up in our own pity party sometimes that we don't even Hear the clear calling that, jo that Jesus is giving us. 
all throughout the Scriptures. He's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to remember the promises that He has given us. All throughout Scriptures. Clear as day. But yet, we're so busy to listen to that call. It was a call, a promise. The words of Jesus promised much more than just a casual meeting under that tree. Jesus said, I must abide at your house. He said, come down for I have to stay with you. So there's a promise there. That Jesus is wanting to do something in Zacchaeus' life. He's not just calling him down and saying, hey, I just want to get to know you. I want to know your job title. I want to know how much you make a year. No. Jesus is saying, "Is I want to have a relationship with you. I want to meet you in your home. I want to see everything there is about you. So it was a call of promise. Thirdly, he experienced a divine conversion. Between the time when Jesus called him out of that tree and went to his house, Zacchaeus' heart started changing. He realized who Jesus really was. And he knew the things that he's done wrong. He felt that tug in his heart saying, you know, you're not treating my people right. And there's much more than all this that you have at your house. All the wealth. There's much more. So he heeded the call. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. In the scripture when it says, Lord, I give up half of my possessions for the poor. I'm willing to give up things to serve you, to honor you. And then he even went on to say that not only will I give up half my possession, if I've done anybody wrong, cheated anybody, I will give them back four times. That's a bold statement. How many of you would like to say, if I've done anybody wrong, I will pay them back four times? Not many hands went up on that one. But, that's exactly what Zacchaeus done. So he heeded the call. He answered the call. And these callings are throughout the scriptures. You can find it in John 3.16, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and John 8 and 24. Talking about repentance. Turning our lives over to Jesus Christ. Saying, I will serve you. I will take up the cross. And follow you. 
He also dist- 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 uh, getting tongue tied. He demonstrated a change, and this is over in verse eight. He dist- uh, he's demonstrated a change. So let's look at verse eight. And of course, we just talked about it as well. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord. Here now I give half of my belongings and I will pay back four times. So not only did he heed the call, but he also demonstrated a change that came with that call. A lot of us, when, when we look at life, we want God to bless us, but we don't want to do anything in return. A lot of times, I mean, just simply in the scripture, the Bible says, if my people are which are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wickedness. That's where a lot of us don't like to listen. We just want God to answer our prayers. We're not too worried about turning from the things that hold us back. As a culture, as a church world, we're all about what tickles our ears instead of dealing with the truth of the matter. Dealing with those things that are binding us and holding us back. But Zacchaeus didn't do that. He let it all go. He said, you know, I was a sinner. I cheated. I lied. I took things that was not belonged to me. I ruined people's lives. I didn't deserve what Jesus done for me. But you know what? He's, he offered. I'm taking. I'm changing. Verse 9 and 10, he re, uh, received a confirmation. Let's look at 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to the, this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man come to seek and save what is lost. He got that confirmation. There's also confirmations in Romans 8, 16, 1 John 3, 19 through 22, 1 John 5 and 10, James 2 and 18, 2 Corinthians 1 and 12. Confirmations that God is going to take care of us as long as we trust and obey His will. He's going to take care of us as long as we do as he's called us to do and answer that calling. At 11 years old, I was a young man growing up in Dumas. 
on a Wednesday night, kind of like tonight. I was kind of a broken young man. Came from a divorced family. Parents at the time wasn't going to church. The only reason why I went to church was because of my grandmother. I was standing out in the foyer of the church. It was already past 7 o'clock. Service already started. I was, I was just standing out in the foyer. My youth pastor, or the youth pastor at the church at the time, he was running back from his office, going to the uh, youth sanctuary. They already started their worship time, but he was uh, running behind and was running through the uh, foyer of the church. And he looked at me and said, what are you doing? Standing here. He said, how old are you? I said, 11. Why aren't you back in Rory Rangers? Well, my build back then was totally different than what you see before you today. I wasn't always big bone. I was a scrawny little guy. I only weighed about 66 pounds at 11 years old. I was skinny. And he said, why don't you go to Rory Ranger? I said, no one likes me there. They always pick me last. He said, well, it ain't all about fun and games. I said, have you been back there lately? I was kind of a smart off kid. I said, all they do is play dodgeball and basketball. That's not me. I can't do that. He took time. And he said, you know what? I tell you what, you're not quite old enough, but why don't you come back with me? He cared enough. He didn't care that I was scrawny. He didn't care that I wasn't athletic. He looked at me as Jesus saw me. As someone that was lost and needed to be saved. And so he invited me back to be in the youth group. And he worked it out with pastor at the time later that I just continued to be a part of the youth group even though I wasn't old enough. I was right there at the edge. And at 12 years old, I gave my life to Christ on a Wednesday night. Hadn't been perfect all the way since, but definitely trying now to be as perfect as I can. I still fail. But what God is trying to show us in this simple little set of scripture is don't count anybody else. It doesn't matter about the background of the person. It doesn't matter where they come from, what they've been raised with. They're still a child of the king. And they may be in the darkest sin that's out there in the world today, but God still loves them. And I'm speaking to two types of people in this room tonight. The first type may be lost tonight. You may be sitting in this room and you might have been in church before, but you don't know who Jesus Christ is. But He knows exactly who you are. 
The word of God tells us that he knew us before we was created in the womb. He knew all the choices that we would make. He knows the mistakes that we're going to make. But he still loves us. He still died upon that cross. And said, even when you can't carry the cross, I'm there. All you have to do is surrender. Get to the point in your life where you say, I can't carry it anymore. Put it on the altar and leave it. And I'm there. But too many times we like to come to these altars, put our problems on these altars, get up and pick it right back up and go out the door. We think we are big enough to make a difference in our own life. And we should know by now we're not because why do we keep falling into the same traps of life? We have to learn to give up control and allow Jesus to work for us because he loves us. The second type of person I'm talking to tonight is the believers. A lot of times we forget about the saving grace that God has given us. We take it for granted a lot of times. We get so comfortable on our padded chairs in our air conditioning buildings that we forget that there's a lost and dying world Right outside these doors. We say well that's why we hire a pastor. No it's not. The pastor is to. Educate and train and disciple you. To go out and win the lost. Us as human has placed too much responsibility on a pastor. We're like, well, we're going to pay this money and we expect you to make a difference. And if you don't make a difference in our church, we're just going to find someone else that can. That's man's thinking. That's not God's thinking. God's thinking is. Why don't you help your pastor? To spread the gospel all around this world. All around Centerton. And just because someone's not like us. We don't get to pick and choose who come to our church. Because all are God's children. He doesn't long for a single person. To die without knowing him. I'll be honest. For 13 years I have served as a youth pastor. And there's even times even in my life that I have forgotten or overlooked the simple 
things of life that God loves me and he loves these people so much that he died. And I should be working harder and harder each and every day to make sure someone hears the name of Jesus and knows who Jesus is. And I have been blessed over the 13 years to see some young people, great young people, come to know Christ, be used of God. I even believe that some of them is going to be used even greater than I was. And God has blessed me as well to be around children every single day. Just to love them. And it doesn't matter if I only have them for two weeks or two years. My job is to instill as much of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy into their life that I possibly can. And it's very easy every day to get caught up with work and issues and money problems and everything else that this world throws upon us. It's very easy to get caught up and miss an opportunity to share God's word with somebody. And if you start getting to that point where you forget, go back to Luke chapter 19. And remember Zacchaeus. Because in his days, he was the worst of the worst of the sinners. But Jesus took time out of his busy schedule to say, I want to have a talk with you in your house. And he's done that for each and every one of us in this room. And he's wanting to do it for many, many others. He never promised that your road will be easy. But he, he does promise that he will step with you. Every step of the way. We just have to make the step. To go. To share. To love. You know, there's a motto that New Beginnings Children's Home has. And Pastor Ken has been real great to instill it in my life. And it says, helping to rewrite a child's future. And you know, that's a motto that all of us should have. Is we should do anything we possibly can to rewrite somebody else's future. Because they deserve it. There's not a single person that has ever been born that will ever be born that deserves dying and not knowing Jesus Christ and dying and going to hell. But yet, if Christians do not step up and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, proclaim the love of Jesus Christ, then that's exactly what's going to happen.
the wor- the church world has gotten in this mindset. Well, the scripture tells us it's going to get worse. Things are going to get bad. Yes, that's fulfilling the scriptures. But never in the scriptures does the scripture tells us to give up and roll over and play dead. Throughout, no matter how tough it gets, he tells us to keep reaching the lost. Going into the highways and byways, preaching the gospel. There's men and women all around this world that put their lives on that line every single day for the gospel. But yet, us in the free world that we live in, the greatest country, can't even speak the name of Jesus. There's something wrong, folks. We've got to get back to the basics and know that God is here to seek out and save the lost, and that's our job. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just praise you. We just glorify you. Right now, Lord, forgive us. Prepare our hearts to receive from you. Whether it's for the first time, whether it's for a thousandth time, to commit our lives to you, just make that repentance to you. Or maybe, God, it, it, we may be one that just have gotten so comfortable. We know that there are lost people and we are trying to live what you've called us to do, but yet we have lost sight of reaching that lost world. I just pray that tonight there's not a single person in this room that can leave out this room, not just because it's me speaking, but because you are here with us. And you're wanting to make a difference. That there's not a single person that's going to walk out of this room that's not given their life to Christ or made a new commitment to see people's lives changed for you, God. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, simple, simple, simple altar call. If you have not given your life to Christ and you feel that tugging on your heart, that knocking on the door that Jesus Christ is wanting to have a little conversation with you, He's here tonight and He wants to have that conversation. And here in just a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to move because we all need to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. So I'm going to allow you to move and go to an area, whether it's at the front or the back of this church, to give your life to Christ. And I'll be right there to pray with you. But also, you may be one that needs to renew your spirit tonight. To renew that uh, contract with God saying, you know, I live a good life, but I need to be reaching more to see the lost saved. I need to help my pastor out to win the city. And I'm just going to open these uh, floodgates tonight, these altar ways, and I don't care which one you're coming for. On the count of three, I just want you to move, come to an altar, make some kind of movement.
for Christ tonight. One, two, three. These altars are open.